You're listening to Lifelong Learning on ReachMD. The following program was recorded at the 2018 Annual Meeting for the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Professions. Here is your host, Alicia Sutton. So we are broadcasting from the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Professions at the Annual Meeting here in Orlando. And I want to thank you guys for joining me. I'll introduce you in a set. Let me just say what you presented about which is using patient videos to model effective communication strategies. I look forward to talking to you about it. Please introduce yourselves. Thanks. It's great to be here. I'm Julie White. I'm the Director of Continuing Medical Education at Boston University School of Medicine. I've been in this realm, this work, for 22 years. Never a dull moment. Love my work. Fantastic. And I'm Ilana Hardesty. I'm a Senior Program Operations Manager at Boston University Continuing Medical Education Office. I've been here now for 11 years, and for the last seven of those, I've been working on our opioid prescribing education. No shortage of ways of teaching. We talk about it a lot at this conference, and you guys are presenting on something that you're referring to as trigger videos. If you could tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I actually want to just share kind of an official description out of an article from Academic Medicine. A trigger film is a short scene depicting a typical clinical situation with a patient or fellow colleague. These films trigger discussions of the issues and circumstances raised in the films. So basically, when we, in, in layman's terms, the trigger video is really designed to elicit emotion, kind of get the audience primed for a discussion. Are there better uses of a trigger video where you might want to use it or maybe not want to use it? Yeah, I think it's particularly good when there's a difficult communication skill or skill about communication on a difficult clinical scenario where they would be particularly useful. Alana, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think that's about right, that clinicians, uh, learners don't necessarily need it if they're just learning about a new medication and it's the way it works. Right, right. But it is very useful when you're looking at clinical interactions and particularly those that are just a little bit more emotionally fraught. Yeah, I can imagine. Do you have an example where you've used one? Describe it, the clinical condition maybe and how the approach was used with the trigger video? We do use trigger videos in our scope of pain program. We use them in live meetings as part of the Q&A session so that we can model some behavior. They're available for people to download for use in small group settings. And I think when it comes to teaching clinicians about prescribing opioids safely and navigating the waters of talking to patients about what this means and what kind of monitoring has to happen and so forth, they work very well. We've got a number of them that model that behavior, model those discussions that you have to have when you are starting a patient on opioids or when you are discovering that there may be some issues. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, there was a great example yesterday that someone provided how they might use trigger videos. And this person works in the hospice field, in CME and around hospice. And they were saying that it would be particularly useful when teaching a clinician how to deliver bad news, which is never something that anybody would want to be doing. And that's a great example to see, to use videos to exemplify Mm -hmm you know, the best that you can to be giving the bad news to the families. Right. What's the significance of the word trigger? Are you triggering them to behave a certain way or triggering it in a certain line of education? As it... Right. So it's triggered the discussion. So so in other words, the video, and I we actually did a presentation, another colleague of mine and I 
using a clip from a movie, and you do have to be careful about copyright and so forth, but you could, for example, use a clip from a movie that triggers a discussion around some clinical scenario or clinical example. So it can be something that you create yourself, as we've done, or something that you've seen someone else do, but you think it's a great example that you can use to generate discussion. Okay, yeah, that helps. That helps. So in helping educators here in your presentation, helping them develop these, I think you addressed a few different ways about going about that or how to speak to patients. Can you address some of that? For example, asking questions in a non-judgmental way, those kinds of things. Yeah, so it was very interesting to present what we did yesterday to our colleagues. I've seen these videos used, in fact, with clinicians. So this was sort of a step away from that. But it gave us an opportunity to really talk to our colleagues about how these might be useful and, yes, to model or practice in the case of our skill practice that we did, to practice that kind of non-judgmental approach to a patient. And I think it might actually help in our own work, and I think it helps Mm -hmm. in everyday life as well, but to give people an opportunity to try out some of the discussions that you might have, try out those communications issues including the non-judgmental, and you're trying to build an alliance. You don't right. want yeah. to alienate the person you're talking to. You want to establish trust and create that alliance. Yeah, and another key is motivational interviewing. A lot of the techniques that are taught through motivational interviewing skills are similar to what we were trying to model in our scope of pain videos. So the idea of the patient and the clinician are allies in the patient's care. It's not that the physician is the font of knowledge and the patient is, you know, it's, it's really right. an, an alliance between the two. Yeah. In your presentation to the audience, did you get some interesting feedback on ways people are using it or would like to use it in education? Yeah. We did, actually. Uh, it, was, it was very interesting. People were, I think people weren't doing a lot of it, but they could really envision how it might work. Julie uh, yeah. gave the hospice mm-hmm. uh, example, mm-hmm. and there were some others. Yeah, the one other idea that I remembered is one of the individuals said it was a great way to have people try out different approaches to interacting with the patient, and right. if they could practice different approaches and sort of figure out ways that they were working well or not working well. I mean, that came up in our feedback loops discussion, but the same idea that you could try to see different kinds of approaches to to interacting with the patient. Oh, that's excellent. So in your presentation, you clearly showed some examples. Let's take a look at one that you showed to your presentation team. So it sounds like the pain medications are working well for your knee and ankle pain. Yes. That's great. Um, as you know, I check urines um, on you regularly um, just to monitor you for safety. And, and the last urine I sent had cocaine in it. Well, that's, that can't be right. This, someone must have made a mistake at the lab because I, I wouldn't use cocaine. Okay. Well, you know that I'm not testing you to catch you doing something wrong. I'm not judging you. Um, the urine was rechecked and confirmed, so I trust the result. And and really, my main focus is on keeping you safe and um, worrying about your health. And so, can you tell me about the cocaine use? Well, okay. I, over the weekend, we you know we get together with my friends and had a, you know a couple drinks. Um, it's not a big deal though. Has your use been increasing lately? Um, a little bit here and there. We get together, have a little fun, a couple drinks. Um, it, it's not like I'm addicted or anything. I, I can stop at any time. I, it's not a big deal. 
Okay, great. Um, so it sounds like you enjoy doing it with your friends. Is there anything else that you like about it? <sighs> Not really. Okay. What about that you like less about it? Besides the fact that it's illegal? Yeah, anything else? It's expensive, and I don't like the way it makes my heart race. It's uncomfortable. Okay. Do you know about the health risks of using cocaine occasionally? No. Do you mind if I tell you? Sure. It can cause a heart attack. It can cause a stroke. Um, and with you in particular, it increases your risk of misusing the pain medications that I'm prescribing. I would never abuse the meds. Okay. All right. Well, can I tell you what my concerns are? Yeah. My concerns are definitely about your health. Right, that cocaine can cause a heart attack and a stroke, as I mentioned. But it also may limit my ability to continue to prescribe these medications for your pain. Um, so what I need you to do is to think about it and decide, you know, what's more important, your cocaine use with your friends or these medications for your pain. I can quit the cocaine any time. I'm not addicted, so it'll be easy. I can do that. Okay, that's great. Um, so as I mentioned... Uh, this puts you at a higher risk of misusing these medications. And so I'm going to need to monitor you more closely. And that means checking your urine more frequently uh, and things like that. And really, moving forward, we're, we're talking about a zero tolerance here. So if you continue to use cocaine, uh, I'm not going to be able to continue prescribing these medications. Um, but if that's the case, then we'll, we'll come up with other ways to treat your pain. Okay. I, I, like I said, I can give it up. I'm not addicted. Okay. So one last thing. So if you find it more difficult to stop than you're anticipating... I want you to come back in and talk to me about it so we can find you some help, okay? The, the, the meds are helping, and yes, I can. This will, this will be easy. I can do this. Okay, great. So that's an interesting approach to learning. What, what did you get out of this? What, what kind of outcomes do you think you would see from this video? This is very often a video that we do show at our live meetings, and we find that it gives clinicians an opportunity to really look at what the faculty was trying to do, and they start talking about that, oh, he, he was really non-judgmental when he was asking the questions, and it allowed the patient to be honest about this unexpected test mm -hmm. result. And he also asks permission. The clinician says, do you mind if I tell you what the consequences might be? Right. And all of these are techniques that the people in the audience, that our learners pick up on and hear. And then they also realize this is a two-minute video. They also realize that this can be done as part of a regular 15-minute uh, you know, office visit. Right. Yeah, and just to add one more thing about that particular video, towards the end, as, you, as you'll note, the physician says to the patient, now look, if you're having trouble stopping using the cocaine, then please come back and see me and we'll come up with a solution together. In other words, he's not firing the patient. He's, he's not, not saying, yeah. I'm done with you. Non-judgmental, mm -hmm. asking permission, clearly takeaway points from your presentation. That's real neat. Are you planning to do a lot more of these at your center? And what's your thinking on it? Is there a cost issue in this? There is a cost issue. Yeah. They're not cheap to produce. We were lucky enough to hire very good director and videographer, but I don't think we can afford that all the time. We'd love to be able to do more of them. We'd like to be able to take the ones we have and maybe do some re-editing of them. Sure. Yeah, um, be able to amortize that. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. But I think we're looking at other ways of incorporating video that might be a little bit less expensive so that mm. we could find more opportunities for using this sort of thing. Because it is a very powerful 
way to engage an audience and get them really thinking and really thinking about their own practice and really involved in their education. Yeah, terrific. <laughs> Any final thoughts from you on, no, on where this is heading? Um, it just it was a great program. It was really you could see that the audience was particularly engaged. We're coming up with a lot of ideas. I think just thinking over my history with CME, we've come a long way in our ability to produce video, not always cheaply yet, but it's a great format to either intersperse among didactic sessions live or online. It has an enormous amount of power and I don't think that's going away and we certainly are seeing it ourselves how beneficial it can be. Yeah, I totally agree. Thank you both for joining us. It's been great to talk to you and hear what's new, and that's a very nice concept there to work from. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Lifelong Learning on ReachMD, featuring key insights from the Alliance's 2018 annual meeting. To download this podcast and others in this series, please visit reachmd.com slash lifelonglearning.